when they make the film out of out of this podcast, inevitably, Pritch Kitchen will feature. Who 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 would play? Who, who would play yeah, oh, who else to say who wow. would play you? I do often get people always tell me I look like a guy. I can't remember his name. It was a Canadian. Dave Judy Dench. I reckon I'll be able to find him. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. Oh. Mine, mine would one hundred percent be Jason Statham. Let's be honest, that's not even up for Jason. Jason. Oh. <laughs> I think when when Alan Hutton turns to acting. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I actually, I remember when I was working at the uni, being a cleaner once. The, the um, Jamaican athletics team stayed in the accommodation over the summer that we were cleaning, um, and uh, one of the guys that. Even well, Usain Bolt didn't end up coming in the end, but he was going to. But the one who's like second, always second to him, did end up coming and staying. Um, and I remember whenever we used to get in the lift with him, there's this one guy who always used to call me Mr. Statham. <laughs> <laughs> so from that point on, I've, I've always and yeah, you didn't mind it. At consider all. myself called... an uncanny resemblance to Jason Statham. So. You've been called Mr. Statham by the Jamaican. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's yeah, quite I, know. A... I know. That's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> I think he was probably joking, uh, but I pretended that he meant it seriously, and I still do. Yeah, I mean, and why not take that? I haven't really introduced Sam. Face I think off. Sam is a person that John and I both know who is an avid socialist and enthusiastic gambler on football matches. Um. <laughs> Enthusiastic. <laughs> He's the opposite to gambling athletes. Yeah. Well, I feel like you win often yeah, enough never. that it's you know, you're not a professional, as far as I know. Well, well, all it is is the only time you'll ever hear from me is when I do actually win yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, because ninety-nine percent of the time when I'm losing, I'm base, just <laughs> accumulator. Uh, you know, you, you're coming in. Yeah. All you've got is City at home. And Liverpool away to Burnley. You're feeling pretty good. You like send the old message through. City go down four one. And you have to admire Sam's blind confidence whenever he makes the bet. He convinces you to bet. Yeah, though. he makes uh, like <laughs> four hundred and eighty one to one sound really good odds. Like you actually can't <laughs> afford not to put this bet on. It's it is always worth it. To be fair, I mean. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I like how my introduction to the podcast is going to sound like I'm a gambling addict, which is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. I think if you had a gambling problem, it would not have been mentioned uh, straight up in the podcast. I don't know. I mean, we're pretty free spirited <laughs> kind of guys. Have you got an intro in you, John, or do you want me to do that? You did last time, actually, didn't you? Uh, I did last time, didn't yeah. I? You can go. Okay. Uh, hi folks, welcome to Deceptively Clever, a history podcast that is casual about the truth. I'm Justin, John's on the line, so is our friend Sam, and as far as I know Sam, you have got an object of some level of historical significance to introduce to us, which will be accompanied by two true statements and one lie. Is that accurate? That is accurate, have yeah. You, yeah, that's correct. Have you, have you ever listened to an episode <laughs> got of this show? Right. I have. I've listened to probably about four or five. Oh, okay. Um, I really enjoyed the one about the wooden plane. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was good. Um, the flying lumber. Yeah. Flying lumber yard. That's yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it's good. I've enjoyed listening to it. Okay. Well. I've not listened to Ben's yet, but I'm quite keen to. No, to no, it. Ben's was a late release. That's only been out for a day and a bit. Um, so you're familiar with the format? Um, we yep. do keep score. It's currently. 
What is it, John? Seven five. Yeah, I think so. I've not. Yeah, well, seven five. Guests have not yet scored a point. I've got a rule change proposal, John. I think if a if a guest oh. introduces an object and tricks us both, that's double points. So they get two I think even if we start introducing objects involving another guest, I think it's two points if the the liar can fool two people. I just think it's too hard. Yeah, that's that true. sounds good. And it's double chance, isn't it? Where you guys aren't really going to go for the same object. You're always going to go for a different one. So it means that there's only a, like a thirty three percent chance, yeah. isn't there, of actually getting it wrong. Whereas when it's just you two, it's fifty. Yeah. So I agree. Double points. Okay. Yeah, it's, we found that it's very so hard to write three statements where one of them doesn't stand out as quite likely, or where one of us doesn't have enough knowledge to sort of rule one out, um, which makes it quite difficult. This is. This is going to be the episode where the guest gets the point, and we're never going to hear the end of it. I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. Yeah, that, do you know what? I, did, I didn't actually realise that the guest account had, didn't have any points. Guest account. <laughs> didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> guest player. <laughs> didn't have any no points. No uh, credits yeah. in the guest account. Uh, now, now it's zero. <laughs> so that's going to be my challenge. So I'm going to try and be ex- extra deceptive and extra clever. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh, best, guess guess so far, far. best guess so don't far. Best guess so Don't tell all that, please. Um, oh, dear. Oh, my God, he said the name of the show. <laughs> yeah! If you had have worked in the Instagram handle, which is uh, deceptively clever, I feel like we would have just given... We would have created a new account called Sam and just given that some money. <laughs> oh, I haven't asked everyone what they're drinking. No, no, that, was extra, no that was extra. What are you... Uh, well, it's not funny if it's subtle. What are you What are you drinking, Sam? What are you bringing to the table? <laughs> it's uh, nine in the morning, isn't it? Would you believe me if I said I was drinking a can of Fosters right now? No. Yeah. I would. I would not. <laughs> yeah. No. Because nobody. I'm nobody would be. John, I'm concerned that you actually would believe me if I said that. No, you're not on a train to go to a football match, so. <laughs> Well, it was only the Fosters that I would have drawn the line at. I don't understand why John doesn't have a beer when he does the podcast, but he maintains that that's not okay. I'd love it, it, but like you can't, you can't have a beer at nine o'clock in the morning. It's not like you've got anywhere to be. If you had to sort of go and do stuff, I'd be like, nah, fair enough. What is time in lockdown in Edinburgh? Oh, that's very Hmm. true. Yeah, exactly. You guys have just validated my uh, next drinks choice, so uh, thanks for that. No, I've just got a cup, a cup of cup coffee. coffee. Okay, just black. Black instant. Black instant. Great content. With a bit, with a bit of Fosters in it. No, oh, well, that would be. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't be worse than Fosters, but it would not be good. You're Australian, Justin. You must love Fosters. Yeah, do you guys actually drink Fosters or not? I've seen the adverts. Just I just want to say this episode is not sponsored by Fosters, uh, despite what you might be thinking <laughs> at this point. But if Fosters want to, but if, if Fosters want to sponsor the podcast, I'll drink it, and I'll be seen drinking it. Yeah, but it's it's not going to yeah. be cheap. You're going to have to pay over the market, considering our reach. It is the, in my view, it is the best average lager. They can pay me. They can pay me anything, and I'll you're actually it. okay. Yeah. <laughs> John's like, I'll take some beer. You're, you're actually okay drinking it, then, Sam. You, like, you wouldn't say no to a free Fosters. Absolutely not. Okay. No, I'm sure it's it's the best out of all the standard yeah. lagers: Carling, Carlsberg, Heineken, whatever. 
Foster's is the nicest one, in my view. And loads of people don't like it, and I don't oh, get I, it. I'm pretty it's sure they all just taste... I think there's such a low range with crap lager that, like, it doesn't really matter what you're drinking. Because no. you could probably swap out, like, a can of Foster's. You could pour Stella into a can of Foster's, and you probably wouldn't... 100%. I honestly think I so, would. Yeah, like, people who drink lots of different... People who have a lager. I've seen Sam have a fair bit of Stella. You... I, you could notice the difference, but would you care? I don't think so. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, the yeah. next thing is, you might notice the difference, but it wouldn't, you wouldn't stop drinking no. it. I only object because people think that Australians actually drink that. And I have not seen a Foster's of any sort in Australia since I came back from England that first time. Anywhere. And I really? mean what? anywhere. In, not in, in a bottle shop. They don't even have it in just pubs. No, ne- like never on seen it. Tap. Yeah, because it's brooding Glasgow, isn't no, it? The only, only reason I knew about it was you, you see sort of vintage oh, ads it. around in pubs, but no one actually has the beer. Like, I'm pretty sure we don't even brew any of it here. The company owns a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Um, Is there like a popular lager in Australia? Australian's very regional, so for the equivalent, um, Yorkshire would have its own beer. Um, Devon would have its own beer. So Australia's very regional-based and states maintain that their beer is their identity. Now they're all owned by a couple uh, of and different is it, companies. And is it lager or is it like... It's lager. IPAs it's, and things. Uh, in yeah. a similar vein, maybe a little bit more intensity than British lager, but we don't also have ale culture, so our ales are also very fizzy and very cold, generally. Um, yeah. I'd say the, the lagers are better. And you have, like, you have it like in schooners as well, don't you? Not like... I was just having this chat with some. Yeah, I was having this chat with a British person who couldn't figure out what the go was, and he said someone just told him, "Mate, it's thirty-five degrees outside. I want a fresh beer as often as possible. That's why we drink smaller glasses." He accepted that. I don't know about you two, but that's that. That is the reason. Yeah, that's I I get. And when it's supposed to be fizzy and cold, like they've brewed it to be drunk fizzy and cold, and it's really hot outside, you don't want a big one. I quite like it when it's warm outside and you have the smaller glass bottles of beer. Because yeah. then, like, that's yeah. quite nice. Like, that's that's all the same. You, there's very few opportunities for you to have the same concern. But uh, that's why. I, like, it's a cultural thing now. Like, he was saying he gets really frustrated because he gets to the end of a schooner, which is maybe two-thirds of a pint, and he's sort of looking for that last little bit. He doesn't feel like it's time to go back to the bar yet. Um, so you, you just get used mm-hmm. to the size you're dealing with. I usually drink even a little bit smaller yeah. than a schooner because I would rather try more beers for the same amount of volume. But when yeah. are we gonna when are we gonna launch our drinks podcast? Deceptively <laughs> <laughs> <that> thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> it could also be a show about being a bachelor, but uh, John doesn't have that concern at the moment, so. <clears throat> Maybe we'll just focus on the oat milk and the beer. I can't wait for like a whole deceptively range of... Um, well, I was thinking the other day about, uh, yes, stupid spin-off projects just to sell t-shirts. Yeah. I mean, we could just have... We could have a you could beer. Have, you could have deceptively dressed on the t-shirt. <laughs> deceptively clothed. Dis- deceptively clothed. That sounds, sounds like you're about to flash somebody. <laughs> yes. We sell a branded trench coat. I can't say why not. <laughs> It's a see-through T-shirt that says "deceptively dressed" on it. Yeah, um, be good in the festival season here, but maybe not for me to model. Do you have a lot of flashes at Australian um, festivals? <laughs> there's not a lot of clothes worn, that's for sure. 
We have a lot of flushes who listen to the podcast. <laughs> how, how do you know that? Oh, actually, John, speaking of, um, I met a couple of your fans <laughs> today. I met a couple of my fans? Yeah, I, they said, what are we you are glo- We are global. They said, what are you... Yeah, we're global in the same city that I live in. They said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going home to record a podcast. And they said, say hello to John for me. And I said, how will... Oh. John's not going to know who you are. And they both sort of in unison said, well, tell him we're fans. So there you go. What, what are their names? Um, I don't know if they're okay with shout-outs. Their names are... are their it'll either be <laughs> a very quick transition to the next topic, or they'll be okay with their names. We had a, a Gabrielle and an Isabel. Hello, Gabrielle and Isabel. Oh. I love you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I Morgan, feel about that. I don't think they're both listening. Listened. I don't. <laughs> It's definitely getting cut out. Um, <laughs> yes, no, so uh, I really like it when people... Are, I mean, the reason that people in my life like you more is because they have to deal with me in real life, <laughs> I, I presume. Um, but I like, even at, even at work, feeling like I'm uh, up against the wall, one might say, with this podcast. That's all right, I'm still winning. I'll run with it. Yeah, that's the main thing. Yeah, that is that's all that matters. <clears throat> but not after You're I get the first two you. points on the board. <laughs> oh God, I I hope Sam just goes bang, bang with a big double. <laughs> He's gonna get a tattoo that says first time champion." <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, are we ready to get started? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think so. I guess oh, one second, I'm just gonna go get some uh, get some water. I'll be back in a sec. Oh, a big can, drink. big can of water. <laughs> <laughs> Big cold can of fizzy brown water. While Sam does that, I've gone for a... What are your thoughts on John teas that are not tea? Like I've got a ginger and lemon tea, and when I write this, I write it oh. in quotation marks, like tea. It's not I love a lemon and ginger tea. They're good, aren't they? Yeah. Bit of honey in it. Sometimes quite nice as well. No, nah, I, I try not to have sugar. Fair enough. Um, but when I'm if I'm not well, yeah, some actual lemon juice and some honey. Oh. Yeah. With a ginger tea, like you, you just can't. That that's comfort in a cup. That's what it is. Oh, that's it another really slogan. Is. Oat milk, comfort in a cup. Better write that down. That's what I say about posters. <laughs> that was not pleasant. <laughs> Go on, back. Oat flat white, comfort in a cup. I've had a haircut in so long that I can now tie my hair back. That's not a good sign, is it? Oh, in a little, like, 2002 David Beckham. Yeah. I'm back. I don't know if that's the right era. I just guessed. That's probably about right. When do you think David Beckham was tying his hair back, Sam? What year? Oh, I think it was... I'm going to say 2006, I think. I think it was earlier than that. Because I actually remember being one of those kids that actually copied... (laughs) Copied David Beckham's hairstyles like as he went through them. Really? <laughs> the, yeah, I remember the the, the Maui. No, the I didn't do that one, but I did do the. Um, I remember at school. I think I was in year two at the time, and I had the proper shaved head, which is quite weird for somebody <laughs> in year two. <laughs> I remember going into school the next day thinking, "Oh my god, what have I done?" But also thinking, "Look, like I look really cool because I look like David Beckham." You know that one where he scored that really good free kick against Greece. Oh yeah. Yeah, that hairstyle. So uh, we're just, we're just yeah. saying that I, my hair's long enough that I can tie it back now, like uh, David Beckham. Oh yeah, yeah, no, cool. Two thousand and 
2002 is my guess. <laughs> back back in his Real Madrid and AC Milan days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Should we actually do a history podcast? <laughs> yeah, we could do, couldn't we? That was definitely a can opening, wasn't it? Who That's was a bottle. That? It's a beer from. Oh, I thought it was Sam. Damn it. <laughs> deceptive about mine. I thought we've got him. No, I'm just drinking. I am I'm ready. ready. What is okay. the object? So, the object I want you to put in is Skylab. All one word. S- Skylab. Is this some oh. Skynet? Oh, it's a space thing. It's it a, is a space thing. Like a satellite? Yeah, it is a space station. A space station. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's pretty small, but so Skylab. This is my object. So it's the it's like it's a space station. Um, it was actually NASA's first space station, um, and it orbited the Earth from 1973 to 1975, um, and actually crashed to Earth in 1979 in Western Australia. So Australian connection as well. Nice. Represent. Oh. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, so this is the object, and just um, so the thing I'm focusing on specifically is not necessarily the object, but one of the missions on to Skylab. So, Skylab is the name of the space station. Um, there was one mission. I'm I'm sort of focusing my lion two truths or whichever way around it is. I can't remember now. Um, <clears throat> my statements are around Skylab four, but which is like the fourth mission. So okay. like the first mission was just to launch it. Um, and then there's Skylab 2 and 3, which were the other two manned missions, um, mostly to kind of repair the damages that were caused during its launch. Um, and it was basically the first ever kind of long-stay space station. It was the world's first successful one. Um, and you got to remember as well, this is before the International Space Station. Um, and obviously in the 70s, it's like in the thick of the space race and the Cold War and all that sort of stuff. So... I know John's into that sort of thing, so um, hmm. yeah. Uh, but like I said, uh, the the Skylab two, so that's the first manned mission, was twenty eight days. Um, astronauts staying in in Skylab, doing loads of different tests and that sort of thing. Um, and the second one was sixty days, and then the third one was a period of eighty four days, which is. The longest anyone had ever been in space at the time. It doesn't sound like long, but um, it basically doubled all of the all of the records for for um, how long people had spent in space. So the the kind of purpose of the overall mission was basically to do loads of observations and stuff about the sun. Apparently, from what I read, um, and also they wanted to know a bit more about what the effects kind of were on people like the biological effects of actually living in space for a long for a like prolonged period of time so nobody had ever been in space obviously for that long before ever um i think the longest was like about two weeks or, or three weeks or a month or something like that um and they wanted to learn obviously about like like the effects that it would have on like your muscles and stuff and your skeletons and that sort of thing. And it did kind of achieve that purpose, but not necessarily in the way that it intended, because there was quite a big controversy that is still um, controversial to this day. 
on Skylab, and especially that the last mission, Skylab Four. So that's the object. But do you want to know a little bit more about Skylab Four specifically, that specific mission, and why it's so controversial? Yes, please. Yeah. Firstly, excellent object. Secondly, <laughs> yes, please. Okay. So was mission four to secretly crash into Australia? <laughs> Yeah, well, it did, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so mission number four, uh, the final crew was a guy, um, the commander was a guy called Gerald Carr. There was a pilot, there was three guys. Um, so Gerald Carr was the commander, pilot William Pogue, and science pilot Edward Gibson. Um, they were all rookies, so none of them had ever been into space before. Um, and all of the previous, this is kind of quite important for stuff you hear sort of like a little bit later on. Um, is that all of the previous like manned space missions had one what's called astro veteran, so somebody basically somebody who's been to space before. Um, so what they wanted to do is with this fourth mission, um, the Skylab itself was kind of when it launched, it kind of broke a lot from what <laughs> from what I read, um, and it was scheduled for early retirement. I don't know if apparently retirement is what you'd say for a for a for a space station when it's. I don't know when you're not using it anymore. Um, so basically what they wanted to do is because it had kind of failed a little bit, but you've got this space race obviously going on still in the thick of the seventies and they want to get all they can out of this mission. Um, they packed Skylab 4's team, um, like their schedule really, really full of all sorts of different stuff. Um, so they put it in, in the, the statement here, it says they wanted to, um, when they were kind of justifying the fourth mission to NASA or to, cause it costs a lot of money. It costs apparently here a single day costs $22.4 million. So oh yes, yeah, that's like a single day's work. So they need to make sure that they're getting as much as they can out of it basically. And because it had kind of broken a little bit and the, the other two manned missions were mostly on fixing stuff. Um, they they really packed everything into this fourth one. Um, so the press kit that was issued to the astronauts was um, Earth's resources, solar astronomy, medical and other experiments will fill the waking hours of the Skylab crewmen. Um, there were few breaks for rest, recalibration or easing into the zero gravity lifestyle. Um, so they had to really kind of justify that, that expenditure. Um, but like they didn't take into account loads of different things. So to, just to transfer across all of the like materials and like food and stuff like that that they need apparently that takes around three or four days um so that like immediately put them behind schedule um they didn't have any time for preparation or anything like that um and the schedule that they were on was like incredibly intense so i was reading that they had 16 hour days that were kind of allotted into them and like the schedules were not just like at this time, you need to do this. It was almost like minute by minute, um, which sounds pretty intense. So, like, because a lot of the stuff they were looking at was like astro, ast ast I don't know, astrological stuff. Like, the position of the satellite has to be in the exact position for them to take the photo or to do that test or whatever. So, it's like extremely, extremely intense, and it's like 16 hour days. So, it was a lot of work, basically. Um, that, uh, so, that sounds like a bad idea. I'm just going to say now. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of the content. And then if you kind of remember as well, it's like in the Cold War and all that sort of stuff, lots of 
you know, lots of competition and there's lots of pressure on these guys. They've not been into space before um, and it kind of gets off to this kind of start. Um, so one of the guys, one of the astronauts here says, uh, yeah, they gave you a certain time, certain angles, and you have to get that certain star. If you don't do that on time, the angles and everything don't do any good and it's basically worthless. Um, but they basically uh, ran into lots of problems from the beginning. Um, so there was an issue with a load of the equipment and stuff um, and loads of unexpected problems that had to be dealt with. Apparently one of them was a poorly lubricated gyroscope. So mm. <laughs> that set them apparently about a few days behind schedule. Um, oh. But just to go over like the workload and stuff they had again. Um, so it was an 84 days mission, which is the longest that anyone had ever been in at that time. Um, it says there was 6,051 astronaut utilization hours scheduled in the mission. So if you divide that by the three people, that basically means 84 days of work over an 84 days mission. So it's like incredibly intense. Um, and that's like all on a space station and stuff as well. Um, yeah, so it was a lot, a lot of work. Um, but the reason as to why it kind of got controversial was because things, in, as you can kind of imagine in that sort of situation, things can kind of fracture. Um, so that's kind of what happened on this mission. Uh, so every 10 days, they were supposed to have one free day to like rest and kind of do what they want and look after themselves and make sure they shower and all of that sort of thing. Um, but because they were so rushed and their schedule was so packed in and they fell behind on so many other different things and there was obviously so much pressure from NASA to actually make sure that they get everything they can from this kind of semi-failed space mission. Um, they basically didn't let them have those days off. Um, one of the quotes from Carr, who was one of the astronauts, says it was almost to the point where you had to schedule a time when you could go to the bathroom. It was that tightly scheduled. Um, oh, I know it was. <laughs> so it's, it kind of gets off to a rocky start, but it it gets even worse. Um, they had really poorly designed equipment. Apparently, um, one of the guys said that um, it put them in some downright dangerous MacGyvering. So every time I raised my right foot to tie my shoelace, I jabbed myself in the groin with the scissors. <laughs> <laughs> so. Obviously, all of this stuff going on on a very small uh, on a very small space station. The kind of communication between NASA and the astronauts got increasingly kind of strained and fractious. Um, and even the guys like who were on the previous missions were saying to NASA, like Mission Control at the time, like you need to do something. Like this schedule isn't manageable. Like what you're asking of them isn't fair at all. Um, and these were the other kind of previous astronauts who'd been on the mission as well who were like more experienced um but things got more and more heated uh the crew gained the repu reputation of being complainers at mission control um and their exchanges lost their lost any kind of sense of uh cooperation basically uh they were started making demands to nasa and they were saying we need more time to rest we need a schedule that's not so packed we don't want to exercise after a meal. We need to get things under control. Um, and then William Pogue, one of the other astronauts, goes on to say um, that the astronauts became bound by a common enemy, which was mission control. Um, 
they were they were saying stuff like we would never work 16 hours a day for 84 days straight on the ground and we shouldn't be expected to do it in space and they weren't being listened to at all um and it eventually got worse and worse and worse um mission control weren't listening to them whatsoever and eventually skylab 4 mission it reached breaking point uh so this is where it kind of gets controversial and where, where it kind of gets disputed um is this where they become space pirates and this well kind of so <laughs> gerald carr Excellent. so he was i can't remember which one but he was one of the astronauts anyway he apparently told ground controllers that he and his crew were taking a day off they downed tools and they switched off the radio and were completely uncon- uncontactable for about 90 minutes and that that is what led to what some people well is controversially called and i'll go into why it's kind of controversial um the first ever strike in space <laughs> i was gonna say do you think this is the first workers union formed in space yeah literally yeah, they, so... they went on strike <laughs> yeah that's it so they switched off the which... space socialists <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen we can now see why sam chose this object <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so that's what happened. And that was on... um, So the mission was 12 weeks, 84 days in total. That incident where they switched off the radio, allegedly switched off the radio, was six weeks into the mission, so exactly basically halfway through. So it was on December the 28th in 1973. Uh, For a little over 90 minutes, they lost control with the astronauts on board Skylab. Um, they could track it and they could see where it was going but every time they tried to talk through to them they just didn't get any response whatsoever um, in kind of the interviews afterwards at the time it's kind of dubious as to how exactly this happened and whether or not it was a conscious decision or whether or not it was a technical fault and it's something that kind of gets disputed a lot in the stuff that I've read um, but one of the astronauts is reported to say um what they did what people asked them well what did you do during those 90 minutes like we want to know um and he just said we looked out the window took showers did that sort of thing um he describes the day when he did what they wanted to do um and doing some off-the-cuff experiments (laughs) (laughs) so you can just imagine them just kind of sat there on the space station um just doing random experiments and it kind of got me thinking what were they doing? Like, if you were in space, like, what? Because, <laughs> I mean, our experiments that we did in the name of science at uni and our uni accommodation mostly just involved, like, I don't know, like, putting a rubber band ball in the microwave and seeing what happens. Like, it just makes me think, like, what did they get up to? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but also, when you've been up there for six weeks working 16-hour days in an already unsettling environment, there's going to be some wackiness going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just like the fact that they were just chilling there for about, well, they switched off the radio for an hour and a half and they just took a day off and just kind of did whatever the hell they wanted, which is kind of quite funny. And NASA were obviously trying to contact them, like, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And, uh, they Please behave. <laughs> I hope yeah. they switched it back on and they were like, oh, finally we've got you again. We've been trying to turn this back on for 90 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah, so All right, guys, how's it going? What went wrong? <laughs> you abandoned us. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So they did eventually come back online again. Um, it was after Ooh. they completed one full orbit of Earth, um, which is around 90 minutes, apparently. Um, okay. And basically, almost straight away, obviously NASA were willing to negotiate the changes to sort out the whole situation that had developed. 
um, because you, you know you can't have anything um, like that going on 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 these kind of intense organized you know really expensive space missions um, some people went as far as to call it a mutiny um, that gets disputed some people say it was a strike and then even that gets disputed and some people say it wasn't that it was like a, an accident and a technical failure but kind of and that's kind of what gets disputed which i'll go into in, in a little uh, bit but basically things need to get hashed out obviously between nasa and the skylab 4 crew uh, so basically straight after they turn the radios back on um car who was one of the astronauts got on the radio and said he laid down like a special message for the mission control guy um a guy called phil schaffer and dick truly <laughs> which is a brilliant name <laughs> Um, and he requested a conversation, and this is the transcript. He says, are we behind, and if so, how far? Or is this hustle over our time a result of people coming out of the woodwork with new things to be done? I'd like to get some straight, unabridged words from you guys on just exactly where we stand. Um, and he followed it up with a list of demands. He said, we need more time to rest. We need a schedule that's not quite so packed. Like I said, we don't want to exercise after a meal. We want to get the pace of things under control. Um, and basically, because they did that, it was extremely successful um, for the astronauts. So for the last half of the mission, so this occurred like a, at the exact halfway point through, um, they got their meal time and their evenings off. Uh, rather than being rigorously scheduled like minute by minute, what they did is they added their day's tasks to like a shopping list type situation. And then they just like posted that to them. And then they just completed it whenever they wanted to and allowed them to kind of schedule their own thing. And apparently it worked, well, Carr said it worked beautifully. It turns out that when the mission was over, we completed every one of the experiments that we needed to do and even did some extra. So <laughs> yeah, it ended up... an hour and a half. They had <laughs> <laughs> so it ended up working out really, really well um, for the astronauts and, and obviously for the research as well because it kind of got that insight into... Well, it was about the biological impact of astronauts and stuff working in space, but it kind of gave a load of insights into that. And people still reference Skylab, the Skylab Four mission, apparently, in terms of looking at the impact of like long-term missions on like psychology, and it has loads of uh, research and stuff as well for um, apparently some of the stuff that NASA and that do today. So whenever they do a, a manned space mission now, there has to be at least one. Um, astro veteran so someone who's been into space before and they've got like protocols in place and stuff now for this for this sort of thing and i just quite liked it as well because it was like um i don't know just like an interesting story where you don't really hear this sort of thing um but on the like contro controversial the more sort of controversial element of it um so one of the guys who researched it so it's kind of disputed really whether or not it was a strike uh, some people go, like I said, some people go as far and say it's a mutiny, um, but some people say it was just a technical failure that people have just blown up into something that isn't um, isn't there at all. Um, I refuse to believe that. Yeah. So one of the guys says in a 2008 book where he looked into it, he says that the three men simply failed to switch on the radios properly, and as a result, one day they made a mistake. And this is what one of the astronauts has said since as well. He says, one day we made a mistake and for a whole orbit we had our radios off. The press misconstrued it as purposeful action. There was no striking space by any stretch of the imagination. Um, what could He said, what could we threaten to do? Go live on the moon. Um, and he basically <laughs> called it a myth. <laughs> um, and on the NASA website, they reported themselves as saying, 
uh, they just got careless with their radios um, and it just kind of messed up um, they called us and they didn't answer them because it was just a technical error um, and it was basically blown out of proportion by the media um, and it says so we've lived under that stigma for all these years but basically it was just we got careless and we were busy doing other things and didn't configure our radios properly but other people say that it was more purposeful so in a New York Times interview um, one of the astronauts says um, that they well in the whole build up to the event anyway they, they said beforehand that they were going to take a day off and they did so there was clearly some kind of intention there um, and they emphasised that obviously by shutting off the radio and they're, they're describing what they were doing on that day, on that day off. It kind of indicates that they were kind of doing it out of some sort of, I guess, rebellion or some sort of like non-compliance or something. Um, but again, they do kind of say that it got blown out of proportion. Um, and obviously it's no coincidence that the day after they decided to go radio silent, they made all these demands and NASA listened to them and then completely changed the way that things were working so you wouldn't really kind of just do that it's, it's, it's quite a big coincidence isn't it I mean from yeah you know that that, that would happen if it, if it was just an accident then you'd just say oh I'm sorry it was an accident we're back online now we'll get back to schedule like why would you write back with all these like demands saying we need to do this we need to do this we need to do that so um, yeah but it's just kind of funny I just made me think that like when they were doing it at the time they just did the classic thing of like oh no I can't hear you you're breaking up you're breaking up and they were just asking him to do all this sort of stuff and they were just like oh it just made me laugh a little bit I've got to go dinner's ready yeah I really hope in that hour and a half they were trying to work out the logistics of going to live on the moon (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) wait how how long will our provisions last if we just refuse to come back yeah Yeah. I could see how like let's say you wake up you're kind of frustrated you're ready for a day off and then you realise the radios aren't working, you haven't turned them on, and you're like, screw this, I'm going for a shower. Like, this yeah. is it, this is, it's not working now, I'm, I'm out for a bit. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of interesting that there's kind of dispute about whether or not it was intentional or not. Um, I, I vote strike at this point, uh, also. Yeah. yeah, I think it was intentional. Yeah, I mean, whether or not it was kind of organised in that sort of way, but it was definitely like, they were fed up <laughs> and they were being massively overworked and they were just like we're not doing this anymore and just basically rage quit in space <laughs> I think also I don't know if you space have you guys been watching um, the Apple TV space show no it's not uh, it's a it's a drama it's an alternate universe um, drama where the well, Soviets got it. to the moon first so then they had to make this big thing about building a base on the moon um, and they go through these things of like who's there's a few episodes where the conflict in the episode is who's in charge the commander on the mission or ground control and you sort of have that tension where ground control think they're in charge and the conclusion that it sort of seems to come to which is the impression I started <coughs> to take from it and with NASA is that ultimately the person up there has if not as much authority certain departments of authority I could see this being quite informative for that like the, the people up there need to be sort of self-determining yeah to yeah. agree otherwise you feel it would not be happy being stuck up there dictated to by people down there with all of the comforts of life yeah yeah that's it and uh 
in quite a few of the communications like from the from NASA to them like it's quite that like they were calling them lazy and stuff like that it was really like quite sort of disrespectful and stuff as well so for somebody who's like trained (laughs) trained for absolutely ages um to kind of do all this sort of thing um and then get this incredibly like intense schedule um and then just it can be completely unworkable um you're a bit lazy aren't you yeah (laughs) and it had it looked just as right as well like it it did apparently it was one of the other things i was reading that it had thrown up a load of other things in like loads of research in other areas so not just about like psychology and like team like um i don't know like team morale and stuff under stress and like like the kind of politics of space missions kind of more generally like how do you have control but at the same time let people feel as though they're doing what they want sort of thing um that's quite an interesting legacy yeah one of the other things that it apparently had an impact on was obviously like um then with more and more sort of private companies going to space with like virgin and elon musk's like spacex there were there's lots of stuff about whether or not there needs to be a labor law for in space (laughs) (laughs) so apparently there's this whole like um legal document that was that was kind of written in the late 60s 1967 the treaty on principles governing the activities of states in the exploration and use of outer space and all that sort of stuff about international kind of space law and what you're able to do and who's in control of what and who has responsibility for what things so obviously with things like the possibility of of strikes or industrial action in space like there needs to be a whole another <laughs> a whole another uh, area of law like around that because you know who who's responsible is it ultimately the private company is it is it the international community is it um the the state space that is the company is based in and all that sort of thing so it kind of raises a lot of issues around that but um Space yeah. is going to be a capitalist utopia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's going to be like a spaceship in Wally. <laughs> <laughs> so, and there was, there was a couple of other sort of interesting things as well that in the build-up made things a little bit hostile. So some of them were quite funny. <laughs> so one of them was, so there was three manned space missions and Skylab 4 was like the last one. Um, and the ones before were done by more like experienced astronauts. Um, and the other guys were had never been to space before. So when, apparently, I've seen photos of this as well. It's, it's quite strange. But when the first three Skylab 4 astronauts went onto the space station, so this was November 16th, 1973, they found that the basically the previous crew had left them three human-sized dummies dressed in flight suits with name tags on. Um, oh. and they left them in like really weird places so they they made these dummies one was on the stationary bike and one was in the low lower body negative pressure device and one was left in the waste compartment so it's kind of they basically arrived like obviously really nervous onto this and it's kind of i don't know whether that's weird like astronaut banter where they're just kind of <laughs> yeah. like i don't know they just a do that as a joke, dummy joke. <laughs> but people but people kind of look at that and they kind of think or was that kind of intended as like a jibe to say like you guys are clowns basically none of you've been to you're space before <laughs> you don't know what you're doing and that kind of got things off to a bad tone or whether that was just i don't know a joke that just fell flat <laughs> <laughs> but that was that kind of quite weird. horrible yeah it sounds yeah. like a horror film 
So, and they had like their name tags on and everything like that. So it kind of, I don't know if that was a little bit of maybe space bullying or what. They're just saying, we own you. <laughs> you are our dummies. Yeah. I think um, warning, warning. Like, I think at the end of the mission, that seems funny. But it, it, what it actually carries is an undertone of, you don't realise what you just signed up for. Yeah. yeah. And I think probably they were a bit maybe self-conscious of the fact that none of them had been to space before. And I don't yeah. know, I just... They hadn't earned their wings yet. Yeah. I feel yeah. sorry for the one who's in the waste, waste compartment. Yeah, that's probably the worst place to be. <laughs> <laughs> we will literally put you in the bin. And it does make you think, doesn't it, like these guys, the last guys, their schedule was so intense. And then the previous guys who were like considered way more professional had way more respect from like their employers and stuff had time to just literally mock them (laughs) 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 you're just about to do this huge like step for mankind the longest ever manned space mission and then you're just getting mocked (laughs) that's a good point definitely sounds like a move by dick truly 100 percent. yeah that's that's got dick truly written all over it hasn't it (laughs) maybe there's some like undisclosed transcripts from nasa when they actually asked them to do it (laughs) I think they've released um, a bunch, a bunch of these transcripts as well. Yeah, they they have. They re- they've released quite a lot, um, and that's why it's kind of interesting to kind of read about afterwards, especially now that we're kind of like not in the Cold Wars, because quite a lot of people have looked at that and said that even though the astronauts afterwards have come out and said, "Oh yeah, it's just been blown up by the press," you know, it was never a strike; it was just a technical error. Um, They've said that, um, like one person says, it seems that post-mission the astronauts themselves did not want to be recognised as some kind of labour leaders, especially during a time when the United States was still locked in the Cold War. Um, and if you think about it as well, a lot of the people, uh, one of the guys, Carr, who I think was the captain uh, or the commander or whatever, um, he was like in the Marines <clears throat> before he became an astronaut. And a lot of the astronauts, I think technically they're like military personnel, I think, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So it was kind of like in the context of the Cold War, when you've got you know Russia, well the USSR on one side, and you don't want to be seen, and there's, there's a general kind of clamping down on workers' movements and trade unionism and that sort of thing in the US. If you've got this kind of flagship, record-breaking, you know, uh, mission from these military guys and it's something that America's really proud about in the space race and they lead a strike <laughs> there's going to be a lot of political pressure on them to kind of back down and say no no it was nothing like that and obviously when they came down you know you're an astronaut you you eventually want to go back um, and you don't want to kind of <laughs> really piss off your employers that much that, that you basically won't go back to space again so kind of a lot of that is thinking that they're just kind of saying that to not cause a huge huge controversy basically so people say even though they said it yeah it'd be amazing if they sent up some astronauts up to space and they came back communist like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think the the internal culture similar to the defense forces in nasa was very much about your career so Mm. i think even on an internalized level they would have been reluctant to sabotage themselves they sort of, uh, in the For All Mankind, the TV show, and some documentaries I've seen, they talk about their career like that's more important than their life. Um, 
or they've got yeah. an explicit warning from NASA if you talk about this we will destroy you yeah exactly I mean you can imagine that um, especially in the Cold War that sort of thing um, yeah nah but yeah no I just thought it was really interesting because um, it's, it, it has had a lot of impact as well on like other research to do with not only just like space missions and stuff but just like these those kind of like lame like <laughs> corporate team building sort of research areas and that sort of thing um one of the guys wrote about it basically saying that it had a massive impact on how nasa treats their astronauts kind of from now on um yeah so one of the guys um who kind of plans missions for nasa and for the la times said nasa treated the crew as expendable instruments of its schedule but Skylab 4 showed that when push came to shove, the astronauts had all the control in their own hands. And that kind of obviously threw up issues for them as well. Um, yeah, but it's really quite interesting. Um, and it shows how even people that, you know, these guys are ex-military, highly trained, you know, American guys. Even when people, anybody really gets kind of pushed to that kind of level of unfairness and that sort of thing. Um, there was a quote on from a website that I found called spacelegalissues.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, one of the guys is quoted as saying, highly trained military types and scientists, fully convinced of the value of their work, are likely to push back when placed in an artificially controlled, too tightly regulated environment. The lessons here are not just for manned space flight, but for any workplace environment that approximates its conditions, whether in space or on Earth. So it's really, really interesting... I thought, anyway, incident where, you know, they wanted to, you know, in a weird, and it kind of in a weird way, they wanted to get all this research on, you know, the impact of long term, on, on humanity, well, on, on astronauts being long term in space. Um, they wanted to focus more on the biological, and I suppose a little bit about the psychological effects about like space madness or whatever. Um, and it's kind of weird they they did get that and it is really valuable but not for the reasons that they planned <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I can't believe I didn't I had not ever heard about this I don't think certainly not on any level of detail yeah, um, yeah. we're ready for some statements yeah yeah, yeah sure. I'm curious what your statements are <laughs> okay so the, I, I'm hoping I've done this in the right I've got I've got one line two truths correct yeah yeah okay good um so statement number one is that some reports cite that a key contributing factor to the relationship breakdown was inappropriate remarks made by mission control to the astronauts about beards <laughs> okay uh, dodgy beard banter yeah question number two uh sorry statement number two um Poor relations between the astronauts and mission control has also been attributed to some unreported vomit. <laughs> and statement number three is, despite NASA initially agreeing to the astronauts' demands after they went radio silent, they were subject to court proceedings for mutiny and fined the equivalent of $10,000 in pensions and other entitlements. That's a bit harsh. Bit out of order. Oh. Well, order. is it true though? That's that's your guy's job. Oh, it's <laughs> exciting. Uh, that is exciting. That is though. These are three good statements. So two um, are kind of about the reasons as to why 
the relationship broke down and then another one is just like about what happened afterwards. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> Here and after, allegedly. <laughs> we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna hold you to too much like yeah, count that time, you're fine. You if you had to listened to more than four <laughs> episodes you would have learned that uh academic rigor is not a thing um, <laughs> applied on our recordings. But we will require okay. footnotes after the how, uh, podcast. How how long were the beards? And yeah, how long were the beards? Personally, um, I think like I don't know a, a full full beard. Like okay. were they trimmed? It, it wasn't tight? just it wasn't just like stubble. It no, was okay. like, but not like lumberjack full length hipster like yeah. long beard. So like not, six weeks. Not six weeks. Not long enough. Yeah, not long enough to tie, like, a band in or anything. Okay. But, like, you know, I'm trying to think of a famous person who's got a beard of that kind of length. Um. <laughs> not Dumbledore. Um. No, not Dumbledore. It's uh, a lockdown beard. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, do you know what? Just, like, a full facial beard. Which country. <laughs> not a Tasmanian lockdown, John. Yeah, that's true. So were they supposed to trim the beards? Is that was that the rule? Well, uh, this is the thing. So during the same time that the, or the there was kind of hostile relations between them, uh, they apparently grew beards, um, but they kind of apparently the the idea is that is that. Um, they began to kind of get seen as sort of lazy because they'd grown these beards. Um, I think also potentially there might be some like health and safety issues with having a beard in space. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I wonder if part of it is just like if they are military men as well. You're meant to be like clean shaven and proper, aren't you? And well behaved. So I'm wondering if there's like slight rebellion there where they're like, ah, oh, we don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, apparently this led to, yeah, them being called lethargic and negative by Mission Control. Um, and obviously if you compound that with like the dummies that were left for them and that sort of thing. Uh, and yeah, the whole thing about it, yeah, their the military personnel... Um, and they need to be kind of clean cut and they need to be presentable. And I think they did like a few TV sort of interviews and stuff. Um, so like the research they were doing and that was because it was like this huge, you know, soft power like project, isn't it? Space missions. So um, obviously they're appearing in front of American people. So yeah. <laughs> John's satisfaction from here, uh, as you said, yeah. soft power. <laughs> Loved it. So, obviously, if they're getting beamed back to the American public and they're there looking like, well, in the 70s, they'd look like hippies, wouldn't they, basically? And if you've got military personnel doing that, then it's kind of, I don't know, it doesn't exactly fit with the image that NASA is probably trying to go for. Um, and the health, and the health and safety stuff is around, like, whether or not they have... Um, Obviously, if something goes wrong, they need to put on like an oxygen mask. So I think the concerns, the legitimate concerns, are more around like if they grow a beard, they can't 
have an airtight seal with the oxygen mask. Yep. So, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm now trying to think of <laughs> astronauts where they have beards. Neil yeah, Armstrong can you think did. of any bearded astronauts? Neil Armstrong was not a beard grower, I don't think. No. Too clean cut, too fastidious. Who was the British bloke, Tim Peake? He didn't have a beard, did he? This is sounding pretty no, true didn't. based on the current astronauts and their beards. <laughs> John, but do you... John, John Logic, pretty true. Yeah, pretty true so far. Yeah. Allegedly. Did they shave the beards? Oh, good question. Uh, well, no. Thank you, John. No. No. It's, no, they Still did. Well, eventually bastards. they did, I suppose. Uh, but there, there was footage of them, you know, on, on the, you know, the 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 TV broadcasts, and they were there with their beards. Um, and it made. I think the thing is, is that it's not necessarily just the fact that they grew beards against, against kind of advice, but. There's a quote here that says it, um, Mission Control began openly describing the, cr- the crew as, and this is a quote, lethargic and negative. I'm just going to say it. They, <laughs> s- they sound lazy. All right. For growing the beard. Lazy. So, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm empathizing uh, fully with about a five day growth. Um, I don't have the ability to grow a beard, so I'm just jealous and bitter. I think better to not be able to grow one than sort of half grow a bad one like I do. It's tantalisingly close, but it's never going to be there. I feel like I couldn't join in the little rebellion, though, if I was just clean-shaven. Oh, that would be so sad. <laughs> You'd be missing yeah. out. There's like one little patch on your cheek. It's yeah. Not, it's just not there. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah, if you're trying to grow, like, imagine if they're trying to do it, like, deliberately as well as, like, a rebellious kind of yeah. <laughs> thing to do, <laughs> and you just can't do it, and you're just there trying to, like... You're there, like pointing your chin towards the camera, like to try and yeah. show if you've got this really crappy neck beard. <laughs> and they're like, well, what is how that? About we just, how about we just don't yeah. on our clothes instead? And they're like, nah, nah, that's not enough, mate. Yeah. Why can't he be more like John? He's clean shaven. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> John gets put in charge of the whole mission just for his yeah. ability to grow a beard. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the impacts as well, is they, uh, yeah, you're not allowed to, to, all the astronauts have to be selected from people that can't grow beards. <laughs> yeah. They're genetically engineered now, astronauts. After Skylab. Yeah, yeah. Making, making moves in history. I like it. Do you need to know any more on that one, John? I don't. But there is that famous American guy who has a moustache, so... Yeah, he's, the space commander guy. Yeah, can't remember what he's called. But I think if he's like yeah. that. I think moustache is sort of less likely to get in the way of a mask. That's um, true. But I think technology has yep. also come along. I reckon you could get away with a nice little treatly, neatly trimmed beard. Treatly neat. And arguably, beard. arguably, you look more authoritative with a moustache. That's true. Yeah, that, yeah. that's prob- yeah. That's exactly why he had a moustache. They did um, focus group evaluations. <laughs> NASA's like we need to fix our PR what can we do they, they ran some Mustaches. tests you know, anyone who looks like they came from the 70s is reliable what? I can't think what that guy's name is which is sort of unfortunate mm-hmm. maybe I'll put it in the notes alright statement 2 I yeah, so... really do not enjoy 
discussing topics like this. Um, <laughs> take, take it away, John. So, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, just float every. Oh, it'd be so bad. Yeah, space vomit must be the worst kind of vomit. I guess you you'd get the chance to catch it before it hits the surface, like you could catch it in a bag. But I just think the dispersion is going to be too wide. That's not yeah, it, it depends how kind of aggressive it is as well, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> it's like proper proper projectile when. No, I stop. Know, we'll have gonna... no listeners left. Everyone will just boycott. <laughs> Anyone who made it this far is like, I'm really enjoying this space podcast, but I just can't take that anymore. Look out, yeah. it's coming towards you. Who vomited? Let's get through it quickly then. Who vomited and where? Um, allegedly, it was Captain Pogue. <laughs> Captain Pogue. Yeah, and this was particularly poignant as well because he had the nickname of Iron Belly. Uh, so <laughs> I was in obviously he was, he was known for never vomiting. Yeah. Mutiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Sick that's the why idea it was... of rebellion. Yeah, yeah. Um and it was apparently straight away. So <laughs> <laughs> when they kind of first docked onto the space station um, it kind of caused a little bit of controversy so when they docked in apparently that's like low really turbulent you know and it's you get thrown around quite a bit I'd imagine um, apparently they all felt quite ill after the first evening meal um, and Captain Pogue slash Iron Belly apparently threw up <laughs> Uh, allegedly, it's reported to be some stewed tomatoes. If that helps people visualise it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, not okay. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> there goes there goes the last listener. And obviously, obviously <sighs> you think like that. Well, this must happen quite often, you know, like because you know it's it's you're getting thrown around. It's the first ever experience of zero gravity and all of the nerves, and you're tightly packed in, and so there'll be a lot of reasons as to why. Um, so oh yeah, kind definitely. of like plans in place for this sort of thing. So apparently, the astronauts at that time should have informed Mission Control, and they should have freeze dried the product <laughs> <laughs> and brought it back after the mission, so that they can like analyze it and stuff uh, to see if there was I don't know I don't know some new space virus or something. I guess I don't know, um, or if there was a particular reason as to why they'd thrown up. If there was bad food or something, I'm not sure. New space virus. <laughs> I like the space virus theory. Um, but Stu's Mars come alive in space, apparently. Yeah. Um, apparently, after, obviously, the incident, um, they kind of had a little bit of a discussion, and what they decided to do is they just collected it all in a bag and just threw it out the trash airlock. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, It's still out there somewhere. <laughs> it's still there somewhere flying around the universe um and he's like i can't ruin my nickname don't tell anyone yeah and they tried to keep it a secret basically from mission control because i'm guessing they were kind of worried again none of them have been into space before that guy who actually threw up had his nickname iron belly um <laughs> so it's kind of embarrassing for him especially and they just didn't they had the remember they had the dummies as well that were kind of mocking them so there was a lot of pressure on them to kind of 
do everything right. <laughs> the first meal they end up throwing up, it's kind of a bit embarrassing. Um, In space, no one can hear you vom. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. No one can hear you vom. But what they didn't realise is that there's a tape recorder that is running the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> So, Maybe these guys are idiots. Yeah, so it's good to know at least, you know, even astronauts are completely incompetent about recording stuff as we are. Because the technical issues to get this done this morning was quite intense. But even they I struggle with this sort of thing. So We were on, on planet Earth, right on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Um, we don't have, like, years of military training and that sort of thing. But, In um, 2021. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely um, don't have the nickname Iron Belly. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, the idea of the guy like listening to the tape recording and just being like, "Oh my god, he's being attacked!" Oh no, wait, he just like vomited. Yeah, he's and do you think they like they tried to disguise it as well as just like <laughs> something else? Whoa, that was a big burp. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. dear. <laughs> I, I'm locking in statement three because I could need to run away at any point. Um, I do not feel great just thinking about this. I'm taking Are you state- statement three. St- taking statement three, sight unseen. So just, <sighs> just, just the last one on that. So obviously they were being recorded the whole time. They listened to their plans about uh, <laughs> not following protocol and just ejecting <laughs> it out into space. <laughs> because to be fair, I mean, it'd be it'd be hard not to just go around ejecting stuff into space, wouldn't it? Like if you were in space. You'd kind of want to see what happens. Like I, I can kind of empathise with the fact that they just wanted to just do their own experiments. Yeah, I'd, I'd immediately eject <laughs> you'd just the be like, You'd just be like, oh, what happens if I just eject this? <laughs> Let's have a look. I think the environmentalist in me would not want to shoot anything out there. I'd be, I, can't, I can't handle the idea that it could just float around forever. I don't know whether we're past the point where things slowly come back into the gravity. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Come, well, they just burn just up in the atmosphere, most likely. <laughs> But yeah, you, so you reckon you're just chucking, like kicking a football out, just you know, <laughs> yeah, just see what happens. <laughs> Maybe and it will go to some far off planet or something, and then uh, they'll discover football. Oh, then you're known what? as like you are the hero of our planet because you introduced the beautiful game to uh, another people, and they they came in peace to fight for the yeah. World Cup rather than with their guns. That's quite nice. Yeah. They'd probably still beat England in a major tournament. Oh, the ultimate bi- the ultimate bicycle kick is kicking a football into space. Yeah, I think is that is that the best? I I feel like I don't know. Could you kick it further in a bicycle kick or just upright? Well, in space, it's just going to keep going. It doesn't matter, does it? Okay, it would look the best, and everything would be a bicycle kick in space. Is that what you meant? Because you'd just be up there floating. Oh, I didn't think about that, would there? Yeah. Like it's yeah. very hard to do or anything would, but or a bicycle would kick. Would nothing be a bicycle kick? Yeah. Keep your feet would be kind of easy, wouldn't it? I guess you could. <laughs> you could take a football out there on a string and kick it about. Keep it downy. Keep it down. Keep keep it downy. Yeah. Keep it keep it close, guys. Keep it close. Nice and tight. Do you think that's what they were actually doing when they were ninety minutes on strike? They were just playing a bit of one v ones. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, definitely. They, a little bit of red ass. <laughs> they scrunched up. One of their one of their sheets of schedules, and they're just like, "All right." You probably, could, you probably couldn't get enough like power on it to hurt, could you? Well, um, I don't know. Maybe that was one of their experiments. Yeah, maybe they found out. 
Yeah. I I would say that would be way more worthwhile than looking at stars and that sort of stupid stuff. Worry about getting a photo of stuff. Yeah, th- think think yeah. all the lad Bible articles you could get out of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, why do you want to take a photo of the sun? We see it every day. Well, not in Wolverhampton, <laughs> but <laughs> why would you it's not there, just really? do? Why would you not just do stuff that's actually useful for humanity? Like, yeah. what happens if you try to do a bicycle kick in space? <laughs> Is the offside rule still relevant? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Have you really locked in statement three, Justin? Yeah. All right. Statement three. What well, it was? They were fined ten thousand dollars. Uh, yeah. So, despite obviously agreeing to the demands when they after they went radio silent and changes to the schedules and having breaks at meals and regular showers and that sort of thing, um, they were taken to court for mutiny, and they to were. <laughs> Yeah, and this is one of the other things as well. Is it kind of like disguised a little bit because remember again they're kind of even though they've kind of allegedly done what they've done, they're still kind of national heroes, military personnel, and like to do that to for the America for America to kind of take its own national heroes, I suppose, in you know to court for what a lot of people would kind of agree if they read about it in the press or whatever was kind of unreasonable. Um, there was lots of concerns about whether they should do it or whether they shouldn't do it and that sort of thing. Um, but it was written in one of the astronauts' obituaries in the New York Times. Um, it says, uh, essentially, what the, the specific they had to kind of find a specific incident that would make them kind of liable in that sort of, well, criminal... I don't know if it's... Is it criminal charge mutiny or is it like an internal military judicial sort of charge that's a good point actually it probably would have been military court yeah so it's probably i'm guessing the threshold isn't necessarily criminal it just has to be professional misconduct i suppose which is a lot easier to kind of prove i suppose um so apparently the incident that they looked at they went through like the transcripts and all the different incidents there was obviously the 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 statement to incident there was obviously the (laughs) the beards incident there was obviously all of these other the strike incident there was obviously all these different things that they looked at um but the one that they focused on was the astronauts did refuse on safety grounds to conduct an unplanned spacewalk to unfurl a solar array apparently that had failed to, to deploy on one of the previous missions um so one of them says gibson i was really yelling at them the 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 uh mission control and the capcom who's the capsule commander or something or capsule coordinator so the main person they speak to on the ground eventually gave way and agreed this was not something that they were required to do however when they landed and were repatriated they were charged with mutiny and they used that example of the specific refusal to bet to obey a direct order um so they it's quoted as saying it was an open rebellion against the proper authorities especially boss this is the definition of mutiny by the way um an open rebellion against the proper authorities especially by soldiers or sailors against their officers um so because it was like a deliberate act that was the specific act of insubordination basically um and kind of one of the other reasons as to why they feel like the astronauts kind of went back and backtracked on it as well not just because of all the cold war stuff um allegedly is because um they they kind of had to deny that the radio switching off was deliberate to kind of 
make their case in this case as well that they weren't you know following a behavior that was you know insubordinate and against the proper authorities and that sort of thing um so uh yeah um and obviously that, there was a lot of disputes like yeah um there was lots of disputes about whether or not even though they've got like military titles and stuff like commander whether they are actually part of the military or not and it's kind of nasa seems to have this kind of weird status where they've got that military kind of title but there's kind of disputes whether they were more like public servants or like whether they were employees and that kind of comes back to what i was talking about earlier about the impact on like space labor laws and that sort of thing like who's what legal status do people have in space um apparently it's well it's kind of good news for the astronauts because apparently well it did the court eventually agreed with them um with the astronauts and it was overturned yeah. uh in arbitration um and again because like i said the public opinion thing was a decisive thing the nasa didn't really want to pursue it massively uh the impact that the alleged strike had didn't really reach people and they kind of didn't really want to just publicly admonish them um because they'd spent all this money on this mission and they're still they still have that kind of vibe of being military people and it just kind of it's not a good look is it in the heat of the cold war to take your military personnel to court um for something yeah for for something like you know some yeah relatively kind of minor stuff i suppose but um i feel like maybe yeah. the the needs were met in sort of setting a deterrence you don't want your astronaut thinking they can just do whatever the hell they want you kind of don't want the bad pr of having to lock them up in prison um i feel yeah, like everyone exactly. might have come out come out of this with sort of an acceptable result and those those legal questions would have been fascinating at that point because everything yeah. I've ever heard of NASA is this weird sort of intersection with the military that they basically get to do whatever the hell they want. There wasn't; they didn't want red tape in the way of them winning the Cold War. So the government's always like justifying stuff while they're yeah. risking life or just completely ignoring orders. Um, that is all very cool. I now regret locking in three for a couple of reasons. All this law chat <laughs> has made me feel much better. I, I've suddenly recovered. <laughs> I've returned to sipping my beer because for a minute there I was really not good. I was like, I really should have brought a bucket closer. I mean, um, I mean, Sam, and I Sam now has think been that... bold. Sam has been bold by choosing a topic involving vomit with two people who definitely don't like talking about it. So, <laughs> well, I don't know if I ever told him that I, I can't. I, I can't. I didn't even know that you guys didn't like talking about it. So, no. Anyway, back to statement two. Let's talk about that a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I feel very confident. That I've just made a bad call. So now I feel like the guests are a chance. John has a history of just really messing up in the last final stages of guessing. Um, I love I love the feeling of confidence I get when I record a podcast. Um, with me. <laughs> with Justin. Um, oh dear. No, that, that, I like that. I would not have guessed three if I had listened to all of that. You laid that out beautifully. Uh, I was very if we, sensible. If we cover... If we cover law on this podcast, it's usually interesting law. That's true. That involves I mean, space, space or pirates. In this case, honest, space there's pirates. There's not, not a lot of. There's no area of law that you can't find something interesting in because it's all based on people fighting each other. Really, there's That's a little true. bit of administrative law which is utterly dull. Yeah, um, I'm sure I could a... find some element of law that's really boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. 
the the problem is if you're going to teach it to someone, you always find the most interesting cases to use. Some of the actual cases are like there's 14 companies involved arguing over insurance payouts. That's not interesting to anyone. Mm. But it is if they're in space. <laughs> because <laughs> that's <point>. insurance. <laughs> Can we think of anything that wouldn't be interesting once it's in space? I can't. Uh, bicycle kicks. <laughs> Beards. You think Beards. bicycle... That's true. Bicycle kicks are more impressive on the ground. And I guess that is a way to, th- to, to define interesting. They're more noteworthy on the ground. I think I'm going to lock in statement two. Because <sighs> I, I don't know. Statement two is the most impressive one to come up with. So I'm glad. I'm glad you've locked it in. I think I would have switched to one. So I feel like everyone. I think one. I think one seems like you just would, wouldn't you? I think. I think because... lockdown. No one can get a haircut. Beards. Sam saw a photo of an astronaut with a beard, and he went, oh, "Are they even allowed to do that? What a good lie." Sam, I think. Can you reveal initially? Can you rule me out if I am? If mine is true, and then we'll have a really big build up to see whether. The guests are going to get a point, two points on the 50-50. Um, so you want to know this? You, you think, Justin, do you think that statement one is a lie? I've locked in no. three ages ago, so I have to keep... John's like, no, no, do not let him get out of this. <laughs> I have to keep three, but I actually you, feel quite good about one. I feel good about one for you. So if you can rule... Just, Justin's got the hindsight of me locking one in so he can fill in all the bits where he would say, I would choose this one. <laughs> so he can cover all the ground. So yeah. you're so you're locking in. You think three is the lie, Justin? Oh, I took it. I took it very early. I'll stand by. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and I John, think statement think, two is a lie. You think two is a lie, but yeah. you want me to say about statement one about. The if you can just rule out three, if you can say if three is true, if it is straight away, so then I can really just get excited about the possibility of you scoring a point if it's only out of your John. That's what I'm hoping for here. But ultimately, okay. the guest does have full authority on how they want to, to do the reveal. I'm just excited. Just needs doing a good job of confusing Sam, I think. Yeah, you are doing a really good job. <laughs> Let's start with statement three. Is statement yeah, three just... true or is statement three a lie? Let's start. Let Let's start with statement one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm overruling. I am ground control here. <laughs> You, are, you and your, your little satellite Tasmanian location. You break, I, I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. He wants I'm to start with statement one. On. Okay, let's start with statement this, one. This is actually a build-up of me taking over the podcast. Yeah. Oh, a takeover bid. A takeover bid uh, in space. <laughs> so, statement number one. Some reports that... Uh, so, the beards uh, led to a relationship breakdown. That is true. Ah, oh, damn it. John, Ooh. John's looking good. John's looking. John's never felt happier. Have you ever felt better about a guess at this point, John? So uh, Yeah, there's the point where I literally shouted when I got a point, <laughs> I think, in the other episode, <laughs> where I was like, yes! <laughs> yeah, so apparently, uh, I was reading about it as well, commercial pilots just on planes. Uh, it's generally frowned upon if you have beards as well, because they have to wear oxygen masks and that sort of thing, so... If you tie that in, yeah, that yeah, health yeah. and safety thing in with the kind of military image that but they're in going the Navy, for, then... But in the Navy, you can have a beard. Can you? 
I'd think. <laughs> the crown when Prince <laughs> Philip goes uh, goes abroad, they all grow beards. That's what I was thinking about as well. Just I'm going to say that stands as evidence. Yeah, if I can, if I can pull facts from period dramas, I will. Yeah, but it's weird. You're allowed a mustache. I'm sure because. I guess it's around whether it fits around your face, isn't it? But yeah, they can yeah. factor in the mustache into your oxygen mask. Maybe that was like the the brokered piece in sometime back in pilots. They're like pilots, like we want to grow beards, and everyone else is like, no, and they're like, well, okay, we'll settle for mustaches, and they're like, okay, done, and then here and after, here we are. That would also be yeah. unfair because I can't grow one properly. I'd be with John on that one. Yeah. And it's also true that they that they were, as a result of growing the beards, they were openly described as being lethargic and negative of the intercom thing for growing the beards. That beard. was exact. When you said that, that's when I'm like, right, I'm not guessing this one. <laughs> I'm like, that, that, that's exactly what uh, someone from NASA would have said. It was when you said that they didn't want them to look like hippies. <laughs> that's what I believed you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, very good. That one's true. I'll feel more rebellious about my beard in the morning. Okay, so, Sam, how are we doing this next? Next one. So, statement two and statement three. So, one of these is a lie. One of so, these John, at lie. this stage, even which one do you feel as though is... Oh, I suppose you've already locked in. John's yeah, I happy. still think John's two. happy with his I'm, choice. I'm so John's between two and a three. John's basically like, I've got a free point here. This has all just worked out well for me today. So, statement two... The unreported vomit is true. Ooh. Oh no, John! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I thought I was, I was so happy when you locked in a three. I've stolen it from you. So yeah, yeah, it was it's a load of rubbish. Yeah. Also, once you talked about statement three, you didn't talk about the fine really at any point in your discussion. Yeah, I was I was a bit nervous about that. <laughs> but in writing the statement, I was like, 10,000 is an awfully convenient number to just end up with. Um, it's also good that you talked about vomit for so long and it hasn't gone to waste. Cause, uh, not the vomit, the chat. Because <laughs> it was true. It was worth it. It wasn't yeah. just some cruel lie. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. Um, That's true. It, it would have been, yeah, it would have been tougher to swallow. Uh, if that had all been made up. Oh, why did you have to say the word swallow? <laughs> Getting my revenge. <laughs> it's becoming a theme on this podcast. Well done yeah. for the early lock-in though, Justin. Yeah, yeah. Yep, jumped in and nabbed it. Probably 8-5. We haven't checked the score for a while. Guests as yet unopened. Account sits at zero. Which... I think I also really wanted to go for statement two because sam said allegedly more in statement two than any other one (laughs) (laughs) yeah i felt like i felt scared about legal action against him (laughs) (laughs) he's wearing a defamation suit from nasa (laughs) um sam sam was a very good liar yeah and sowed some nice doubt within the other ones and then you got to three and sort of drew in both of the other statements nicely which i liked yeah, yeah. Still, ultimately so, unsuccessful, though. But the yeah, so the lie, the the going to court for the ten grand one was a lie in the sense that that never happened to the American astronauts on Skylab Four, but that did happen to a Russian astronaut um, when he kind of did the similar thing. And that story about the unfurling of the solar flare 
is actually true, but it's not about the American astronauts. That it happened to some Russian astronaut, um, oh, uh, you know Gennady Strekalov, in the MIR you know, yeah. space station in the nineteen nineties. He it, it did a similar thing where he was like, "No, I'm not going out there to do that," and he was actually taken to court um, by the USSR, um, I think, or the, whoever the Ru- the Russian space uh, authority, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And he was actually taken to court for mutiny charges for that. You uh, know, he's I think it was overturned. So take you to court. You're done. Yeah, uh, it, I think it was actually overturned in the end. So I don't think. Oh, okay. They were successful. Um, he's not. He's not done. <laughs> and it was in that was written about in his obituary, and then in the New York Times, not in. Uh, yeah, so it was a Russian astronaut that got taken to court for a similar thing. I need I to start feeling to... so confident when people bring in like articles for like the like lies because people just like keep telling true stories just changing the facts slightly that, <laughs> I wish I, I had said I always it now fall, I, I always fall for that yeah I would have got a lot but, more credit but I was starting to wonder if maybe you'd drawn in some other yeah because you had some I good like points like the definition of mutiny was well worked in yeah I felt like it's it's easier to uh, to come well why why come up with an elaborate lie if somebody else has said something that's yeah, true it's a strong change it to something else um but yeah, yeah, and that that definition of, of mutiny was in the because if you look this up on on uh, Wikipedia or whatever, this incident, Space Lab for uh, Skylab Four, uh, it's called like uh, like other also known as Skylab, uh, the Skylab controversy, the Skylab strike, and the Skylab mutiny. So some people do go as far as to say it was basically that, but they just never oh, they never yeah. took so. And they're, they're yeah. discussing the actions relative to our de- definition of mutiny. So you saw yeah. it there. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Nice. Yeah. Okay, very good. But yeah. yeah. That's all worked out all right. Um, I'm, I'm kind of gutted, though, that we don't get the uh, the feedback from their random experiments that they kind of did. I wanted to know what they kind of got up to. Yeah. I bet yeah, there was yeah, some yeah. cool yeah. stuff in there. I bet it was so more civilised than. Um, no, as far I, I couldn't find anything. No. They just said they did their own experiments. Like, so they just didn't, didn't document them more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they <laughs> maybe they were so annoyed about the uh, the the vomit incident they thought right we're actually going to turn off our radios now so we can do stuff. Because <laughs> if they kind of went against the rules on day one, like <laughs> and didn't realise that the radio was still on. And they were just there listening to them like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> they probably, I don't know, they, maybe they pre-planned to do some like cool experiments. I like to think it was the, the bicycle yeah. kicks or play games footy or something. Well, it's, mm. hey, it's 90 minutes they were out for. That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, did not go to extra time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe they were watching a game or something. Yeah, Mission Control must have been pretty pissed at them on day one. I didn't even think about that. They're like, already messing up. They were like, you guys openly lied to us. <laughs> yeah, not a good start of a healthy relationship. Yeah. And I see a little bit of stubble, and I'm not liking it. <laughs> have a shave. Yeah, no. Oh, I wish I could be in those NASA boardrooms when they were just sort of watching this... Uh disaster unfurl itself there'll be like people like no no it's fine they're, they're company men they'll do as they're told they'll come through this maverick's in the corner is like no nah, we've got to pull them down now get them out of there yeah yeah 
It must have been so awkward as well for the. You can imagine like when they finally made the decision to turn the radio back on, they were passing it around like, "You say it, you say it, no, you speak first. <laughs> yeah. We all make one that so turns off. It? <laughs> the one that can't grow a beard do it. You talk to them. Yeah, they're like yeah. you. They all did rock paper scissors. They all played a red ass. Red ass. And whoever lost that to do it. Yeah, I'll turn it on. You talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that would have been <sighs> an awkward first conversation, I think. But they got what they wanted at the end of the day, which. Well, that's been one of our more informative episodes. Yeah. Well done, Sam. That, that oh, was an actual you. history podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, I was good I didn't get the points, though. I was good I didn't get the points. Nah, we'll, we'll, um, we'll regroup. The guests will come back stronger. I, I think it really is a tough task. I'm not. It's just very hard to get. To, it's just very hard to slip it past two people. We've never told this story. I don't think we've told this story on air, but one week both John and I didn't have objects and we're both like, we're recording tomorrow no matter what. And we both just typed in swords or famous swords. Oh, yeah, it was famous swords, wasn't it? And I looked through the list of the top five and read sort of the overview of the sword that John ended up picking for that week. (laughs) So I was able to just rule out a statement immediately because I'm like, I know that's true. Um, (laughs) And I still got it wrong, but then we we couldn't use the recording. John lost 10 minutes of the guessing and it was probably our best episode. It was, it had everything. It was fantastic. Um, but yeah, we both looked up the same object in the same week. Yeah. Yeah, it was very just. Dis- what's, what's, what's going on with your life if, if you're spending Saturday nights looking up famous swords? Exactly. Who are you? We might as well have just started a it's global pandemic. I've <laughs> <laughs> got nothing else to do. I thought he might have lost it a bit, it. spending all his time in Scotland, where you win for turning up. But <laughs> yeah. oh. a, John, can you well, confirm like... the Scottish league is like a farmers' league, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's it's no good. <laughs> it, it's, it's a country that does not need an excuse to drink on Saturday, and yet they still have football matches. So <laughs> Damn it. <laughs>